give Jesus some praise this, this evening. Come on. This was the third service, and I said morning every single time. Give Jesus some praise tonight. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Give it up for Christmas Eve experience number three. All right. You know what that means? That means you guys get to eat all the cookies out there at the end of service. That's what that means. Um, we, we invite you guys to hang out afterwards and uh, have some, some cookies. And let me tell you, there's some macarons out there. I just learned how to say that earlier. And I've been calling them macaroons my whole life. Those are coconut. Those aren't coconut. Those are delicious. That's what those are. And so if you haven't had one yet... Make sure you get five before you leave because you're going to want to eat one and then you're going to want to eat two and then three and then four and then five. And then you can go to the gym on Monday, right? All right. So uh, thank you so much for being here. My name is Pastor Adam Harold. My beautiful wife, Tanya, and I have, we have the privilege of leading this community called the Refuge Church together. Um, we do it as a team. She's more task-oriented. I'm more people-oriented. And uh, it just, together, it just works. It's magical. Um, just ask our team. They'll tell you how magical we are. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, we just, we, it is, like, it's the biggest joy of our lives that we get to serve a God that loves us, that cares for us, that provides for us, that is with us in our deepest, darkest moment, but he's also with us in our sweetest, most joyous moment. He's with us all the time. And we just wanted, when God called us to Wyndham, Maine to start the Refuge Church five years ago, um, we just wanted to bring him with us. That's all we wanted. And uh, he's been with us uh, for almost five years now. In March, it'll be five years that we've been a church. And um, he has given us this amazing building that we get to worship in together as a church body. And it has been so sweet. On Sunday, we opened the doors uh, to the Refuge Church, the new building. And um, let me tell you, I've said it every single service. I'm going to say it. Every single service for the whole next year, I almost guarantee it. We turned a tavern into a church. Come on, that's good. Yes. That is worthy of, of praising Jesus for. Because it had nothing to do with us and everything to do with him. And it's been an absolute joy to be able to, to do this. And we believe that God has given us a... a a facility right in the heart of Wyndham to show them that God wants to be the heartbeat of Wyndham. He wants to be a part of your life. And we believe that he's given us this space um, for many reasons, but mostly to show hope to a dying world, hope to a weary world. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. You know, for the first time in my life, I think if I were to take a poll and I were to ask people, how weary are you? 100% of the poll would say, I'm pretty darn tired. I'm pretty weary right now. 
I think probably 100% of people would agree that the world is a weary place, meaning that it's tired, it's worn out, it's exhausted. Pretty weary. And um, on Sunday, I, I talked a little bit about, the th- I, I named some of the things that are making us weary right now. And um, I introduced our Christmas theme for this year, which is A Weary World Rejoices. We hope that we can come together and rejoice tonight. We want to rejoice together. We want to rejoice that God left heaven, came to earth to become man so that he could save us. But oftentimes we look at the world around us and we see all this weariness and we think that it's caused by this and that and this and that and this and that. But I want to tell you tonight, tonight's first big idea, if I were to have a big idea for tonight, it would be that a weary, the weariness of our world is just a byproduct of the problem that Jesus came to save us from. The weariness of our world is just a byproduct of the problem that 100% of mankind has that Jesus came to save us from. There's three lines in the song, Oh, Holy Nights, that go like this. And I believe they're the most powerful lyrics, probably in any other Christmas song. I might be partial. But the lyrics go like this. Long lay the world in sin and air pining, till he appears and the soul felt its worth. And those two lines point to the third, the thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. I think if in your weariness, if I were to give you hope, if I were to offer you hope, you would think that that's pretty cool. You probably do some, maybe you do some dancing. I don't know. Maybe you do some shouting. I don't know. You would rejoice however it is that you rejoice. Some of your kids are going to open up some Christmas presents tomorrow and they're going to rejoice because of the present that they've been given. Our weariness causes a longing in our hearts, a hope. I've been talking a lot about suffering at at the refuge lately. And one of the things that I've I've given our church is a definition for suffering being uh, um, having something you don't want or wanting something you don't have. It's having something you don't want and, and wanting something you don't have. That's, that's what suffering is. And any time either that suffering disappears or we get what that suffering was we were wanting, what that, that desire that we had in our hearts, we receive it. Any time that that happens, you know what we do? We rejoice. We, we shout. We dance. We praise God because our suffering is over. But I don't want to talk to you about suffering tonight. I want to talk to you about the problem that Jesus came to save us from. You see, the problem that Jesus came to save us from is this three-letter word called sin. Earlier tonight, um, after the first service that we had, uh, one of the couples was leaving, and they said, "I'm I'm just warning you guys right now, okay? One of the couples on the way out, said, I've never heard a Christmas message like that. And I said to him, I haven't either. (laughs) I want to talk about 
the problem that Jesus came, like the very reason Jesus came to earth, it's sin. I know it's sin because in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, God sends an angel to Joseph in a dream. Joseph was Mary's fiance. And Mary was, was pregnant and not married. Listen, the gospel is scandalous. The Bible is a scandalous book. I've always said the Bible were a movie, a real, like if, it, if, a, if a, someone did an accurate depiction of the Bible, it would be rated R. Because the Bible is a scandalous book and the story is scandalous that Mary, a virgin, not married, is pregnant. Conceived by the Holy Spirit so that his son could be born. Jesus. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 says, She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. For centuries the Jewish people, and, and not just the Jewish people, but people have often asked the question, what will the Messiah save us from? Or they've had an expectation of what the Messiah would save them from. And many people in the Jewish community believe that the Messiah would come and save them from politics. But God said, no, politics aren't the problem. A political rule is not the problem. Your sin's the problem because your sin is what keeps you separated from me. And when there's sin in your life, you can't be in my presence. So I have to do something to save you from your sins. Dr. Kenneth Bailey was a Presbyterian pastor who wrote a book by, by the title of Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. He wrote, it was published in 2008. Dr. Bailey passed away in 2016, but I believe that Dr. Bailey was well beyond his time. Because in Jesus from Middle Eastern Eyes, in the depiction of his depiction of the, uh, the story of the birth of Jesus, he wrote these words An oppressed community perceives its own faults as dwarfed by the enormity of what it is suffering from others. The quote carries on, and I'm going to get there in a moment, but I want to explain just that line. What he's saying is when we are oppressed, and, and when, then, then what, when we're oppressed, someone else causes suffering in our lives. And when, when someone comes into the picture and starts talking about the wrong that we've done to them, it can be offensive. The quote goes on and it says, Any discussion of its sins will be heard as belittling the harsh world in which they live. I don't want to belittle the world that we live in. The world is a harsh place. He carries on. It takes a brave man or woman to tell a community that it needs salvation from its sins. And I'm not standing here before you tonight saying that I'm brave. 
But I'm telling you that the reason that Jesus came to this earth was to get rid of the problem of sin, not the problem of disease. The disease that we all face is the disease of sin. That's why Jesus came. To heal us from the very thing that keeps us separated from our Father. And so, again, the big idea for tonight is the weariness of our world is a byproduct of the problem that Jesus came to save us from. But I think the story of Christmas shows us that that's not an offensive story. In fact, it is very loving and it is very kind and it's very welcoming because of who Jesus appears to in the Christmas story. So question, pop quiz. You all went to CCD. You know the answers to the, my, my quizzes. Who did Jesus appear to? Who did, sorry, who did the angels go to to tell them that Jesus would be born? He went to shepherds. I heard somebody say it. He went to shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. My friend Dave read the Christmas story earlier. Didn't he do a great job? Our team, by the way, didn't our team crush it? Give the, give the team some, a round of applause. We had three people from Wyndham High School on stage tonight leading you in worship. Three teenagers. That was absolutely incredible. And they've not just done it now. They've done it two other times already. They did it once last night. They did it once this afternoon. They did it again tonight. And they did such an incredible job. But Dave read the Christmas story. And he talked about the shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel appears to them. I believe that Jesus appeared to the, to the shepherds to show you that God's love is for you, regardless of who you are, regardless of what you've done. And big idea number two, I figured I was in the Christmas spirit. I was in the giving spirit. I'm not just going to give you two, one big idea. I'm going to give you two big ideas. So the first one was, was that um, our weariness is just a byproduct of the problem that Jesus came to save us from. But number two, the second big idea is, is that the shepherds show us that in God's eyes, the outcasts are the honored guests. I said the outcasts are the honored guests. Are you, are you out there? That's good. That's a good word. And I want you to know tonight that if you came in feeling like an outcast, feeling like you didn't belong because now this place is a church. It used to be a bar and you felt comfortable, but now it's a church and you come in and you, all of a sudden you feel uncomfortable. I want you to know that God rolls out the red carpet for you. And he says, I have a spot in the guest of honor seat, and it's got your name on it. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what, what church has done to you in the past. It doesn't matter what you feel about me. I have a seat for you in my house because I love you so much. 
that my son Jesus came to this earth with your name in mind. Outcasts are the honored guests at the seat of God's table. And he used shepherds to show us. So I've got three reasons the shepherds show us that the outcast is his honored guest. Number one, God looks past your status. The shepherds show us that God looks past our status. Now, shepherds were probably the lowest of the low. They were probably the poorest of the poor. They were in the fields. They were dirty. They, were, they, were, they weren't welcome in the marketplace. They were poor. They took care of sheep. They weren't looked at very highly. They were social outcasts. Shepherds. But the thing I love about the Christmas story is it doesn't just speak to the poor. Because the gospel isn't just for the poor. The gospel is also for the rich. The gospel is for all. And so God says, I will include the wise men who would come to Jesus two years later and would bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gifts that, if they were given today, would be worth millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. Gold, frankincense, myrrh. If, if, you, if you're into essential oils, you know frankincense ain't cheap. Right? It's expensive. So the rich are also included because the gospel is all-inclusive. It's for all. God looks past your status. Number two, God looks past your stains. The shepherds show us that God looks past our stains. Because these shepherds, they were dirty. They were probably stinky. They probably smelled like my dog before I gave it a bath today. Like they stink. I did, I, I did give my dog a bath today. She was ripe. <laughs> Just like the shepherds. They had stains. And the thing about sin that Jesus came to save us from is it causes stains in our lives. Sin will stain you. And some of you have come into this place and you say, I can never be a part of a church because of my past. But I want you to know that Jesus came to save you from your past and he looks past your stains in order to save you from your sin. God looks past our stains. If we couldn't come to Jesus sinful, we'd be doomed. So as a, as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, if I don't welcome sinful people in my church, what am I doing? We have to welcome sinners because Jesus did so that he could save them from their sin. So that he could save me from my sin. 
Jesus looks past your status. He looks past your stains. And finally, all he wants is for you to stay. The gospel story calls Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. All he wants you to do is stay, but he doesn't want you to stay the same. There's no doubt in my mind that those shepherds, when they left Mary and Joseph and Jesus, they left changed. They were forever changed because they went and they told the world that hope has come and hope has a name and his name is Jesus. I want you to know tonight that he came to save you from your sin so that you could stay in his presence. That's all he wants. He wants a relationship with all of us. That's it. fact of the matter is is that Jesus loves you just the way that you are but he refuses to leave you that way some of you are sitting there and you're saying Pastor Adam see that's the very reason why I don't go to church that's the very reason why you only see me on Christmas and Easter because I like it how I am in fact, I don't, I don't even think that there's anything really wrong in my life. That's your choice. God gives us a choice to follow him. But if I really believed that sin in your life keeps you from a relationship with God, and I never told you that, how hateful I must be. To never tell you about how you could get into a relationship with Jesus. A relationship with a God that loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. So that you could have a relationship with him. And the transformation that takes place in your life will change you into a person that you'll never want to go back to. The way you are now. Because salvation from sin is powerful. Salvation from sin is transforming. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we are a new creation. That all the old has passed away. Behold, all things become new in our lives. And you'll never look back. Because you'll be in the presence of Almighty God that created you for a relationship with him. Yesterday I was reading my Bible in the book of Hebrews. And the verse stood out to me that said this. It said, without faith it is impossible to please God. I want to tell you tonight, without faith it's impossible to come to know Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we come to him by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So the fact of the matter is, is we all need to have faith. Faith that saves us. 
I teach my church an equation for faith. Because the Bible says that even the, the demons believe, even Satan believes in God. It's not enough to believe in God. So what do I have to have? Well, I have to have the trust. You see, I teach my church that the equation for faith is belief plus trust equals faith. It's the trusting we have a hard part with. We believe in God. We believe he's there. But to trust him with your life is a different, it's a whole other animal. And our goal, our desire is to show people that when they make Jesus their refuge, they never have to be overwhelmed by the storms of this life. And you know how you make Jesus your refuge? By trusting in him. When all things look like garbage. And when all things look like flowers. We must trust him at all times. The question for you tonight is simple. Do you want to tell God? Do you want to ask God to give you faith that saves you? Stand to your feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to close this. 2021, Christmas Eve. And I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. But before I do, I just want to ask you a question. What do you do now? We've been confronted with truth tonight. And anytime I'm confronted with truth in my life, from a friend or from a pastor, Usually I have a decision to make with that truth. I can either, either apologize for what I've done and change course. Or I can just continue to do whatever it was that they pointed out to me because I thought it was no big deal. And I can't help but to think that there will be some in this room tonight that will come and go and think that after being confronted with truth in your life, you come and you go like, it's no big deal. And that's okay. That's your decision. We're not going to force anything on you because God never forces his love on you because he is a gentleman. And he just simply wants you to receive his love for you. But the problem is our choices have consequences, just like the choice that I make when someone confronts me with truth in my life. Sometimes that consequence is a broken relationship. And sometimes that consequence is a sweeter relationship. It's the exact same thing with God. You can continue to have a broken relationship with God, or you can come into relationship with him and say, God, whatever you want, whatever you, you need, whatever you desire for my life, I give it all to you. I give you my heart. So the question again is do you want to give God your heart tonight? I read a quote earlier that, that said to confront with sin is 
would be a brave man or woman. I've been pretty brave tonight. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And I'm just going to ask for a little bravery in return. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking. I'm going to count to three, and if you want to, and if you're saying tonight, Pastor Adam, I want to receive that faith. I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to give him my heart. As I count to three, would you raise your hand? One. He loves you. Two. He gave it all for you. Three, raise your hand if you want to give it all back to him. Say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I want, to, I want to give him my life. If you raise your hand, I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer doesn't, doesn't save you. It's the belief in your heart that saves you. As after I lead us in a prayer, we're going to go into a song. And after we sing the song, I'm going to ask everyone to find your seat because we've got something very, very special to conclude our service. If you raise your hand, would you say this prayer with me? Say, God, I know I've sinned. I need you in my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I turn from my sins. And I turn to you the best way I know how. I choose faith tonight. And I give you my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.